show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia. What has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Newton Price Stadium is second to nine. And the rain breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? You are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. Greetings and good morning and welcome aboard inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and presented all week long by our friends at TravelingCountryClub.com because it is Masters Week, one of the most beautiful sports weeks of the whole year, boys and girls, uh, when the Masters is set to go in Augusta and this week they'll be set to go with a lot of rain in play as well. Uh, the rest of us can't wait to see it all. TravelingCountryClub.com, over 40 courses to play in the Carolinas. And if you have not become a member like I have, it's the one club that would let me in, and it's the most, it's the best club I've ever wanted to be in. We'll put it that way. Some amazing courses out there. So make sure you check them out at TravelingCountryClub.com. Gamecock owned and operated. You'll hear that a lot around here. J.C. Sherbert, Phil Molnax, and me, J.B., here till 1 o'clock. We have so much to get through over the next couple of hours. John Whittle will jump in in about 15 minutes. Uh, Carolina baseball up to six in the polls after taking two of three on the road in Starkville, Mississippi this weekend. And what a week it is setting up for, again, weather permitting, with four top 15 ranked games and three of those four against the number one team in the country. As we all know, LSU will come to town with that series beginning on Thursday. An upset over the weekend, the ladies fall in the final four. LSU goes on and wins the national championship. Charlie Krim has his way too early top 25 out for women's basketball and might surprise some of you where he's got the Gamecocks uh, in that mix as well. The men, of course, they'll play that title game tonight between San Diego State, who won on a buzzer beater, another one in this tournament. It's been unbelievable. And UConn, who seems to just be steamrolling everybody. There's a big visitor on deck for Gamecock football this week in the middle of spring practice. We'll let J.C., of course, fill us in on that. The Nanosports chat box is open in a partridge in a pear tree. Happy Holy Week for those Christians out there. Eastern is on the horizon. The Easter Bunny will be hopping through all of our towns soon, and we certainly look forward to seeing him. With that said, good afternoon, or good morning, my friends. Good morning, JB. Good to be here today. Monday show, Sinorama Studios are looking stellar, as always. Uh, disappointment. Friday was a bad day. 
uh, other than Blake Franks committing. Um, baseball team got steamrolled. Uh, and then it was probably one of the most frustrating women's basketball games I've ever watched. Now, I'll admit, I don't watch all of them. I watch some. And uh, when it gets to that point, I, I definitely tune in. So I'm not trying to be a bandwagoner or, or critical or anything like that. But uh, that one stings. But, you know, I, I started thinking about it on Sunday. Maybe the women's game is becoming more like the men's game uh, than we think in terms of <clears throat> there's more programs out there that can beat you. Uh, you know, I think the sport of women's basketball and college, the college level for years, it's it's been basically a handful of dominant teams, you know, uh, UConn and Tennessee historically uh, to kind of and keep in mind, they didn't have women's college basketball till the early 80s. So it's, it's still a very young sport, um, you know, and you've had flash in the pans here or there. Uh, but basically UConn, Tennessee, you know, Stanford's won their share of titles, you know, and, and I think when you look at this year's tournament, you know, you ended up with a two and a three seed playing for the, all the marbles. LSU won it. That's another unfortunate thing because, you know, uh, for the foreseeable future in the SEC, it's going to be South Carolina, LSU, maybe a little bit of Tennessee here and there, maybe some other programs. But uh, I think Ole Miss, quite frankly, has a – as a bright future with Coach Yo, um, Coach O and Coach Yo, how about that? Um, but just very, very disappointing. But if you look at the big picture, you know, and, and again, I go back to the men's game, and, I, and I'll go back to UConn losing in the semis recently uh, to Notre Dame um, and Mississippi State the year Carolina won it. We see more and more postseason upsets in the sport. And unfortunately for Carolina, uh, that's kind of how it went. I mean, they ran into a team that had a great game plan, uh, a team with uh, a lot of skill with Caitlin Clark and the other three-point shooters. And the, the big girl on the inside had the game of her life. Hell, I thought she was going to fall down a couple of times, but she just takes it to – she just goes up strong, man. Reminded me of my church league days. <laughs> No, not really. But, uh, you know, I, I hats off to Iowa uh, for, for the way the, the way they played. Carolina did not shoot well. Uh, they did not defend at the level they needed to uh, against Caitlin Clark. And, and it was a game, guys, where, you know, Iowa sucked the momentum out of Carolina every time Carolina got something going. You know, I, I you know, Boston hits a layup at 60 to 59. Carolina's rallied from nine. They got down nine at the start of the second half. Carolina's rallied. Okay, so then you think, all right, it's time to go. Next thing, you know, boom, a three-pointer, boom, a turnover. Uh, and, and another point, Iowa's right back up to, to a four-point lead. Um, you know, and Carolina just could not get over the hump uh, in that basketball game. Uh, but, you know, look, Kentucky a few years back on the men's side, undefeated. They ran into Wisconsin. Uh, and we'll never forget the 1991 UNLV running Rebels. Um, it's hard to go undefeated in basketball. It's not an undefeated sport. And I know other women's teams historically have done it, but that was really in a different era. Um, and so I, I think that, you know, if you're Dawn Staley, you, you hats off to this group. They accomplished a whole lot. It's a special group. They did win another national title, uh, three Final Fours. Was it three or four? Three, three final fours for this guy, this group. Probably would have been four uh, had they not canceled the 2020 season. 
but uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of good, you know, with, with this bunch. And uh, you know, I, I don't know of a single team in basketball on either side. That's a powerhouse. That's never had an upset loss in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and that includes UConn and Tennessee and uh, whoever else, you know, every, you know, on the men's side, your North Carolina's Dukes, your UCLA's in the world, whatever. Um, it just happened to Carolina. And when you're good, when you're one of the best in the country and everybody's shooting, shooting at you uh, in this sport and college basketball in general, on both sides, you're getting everybody's best shot. And it come, there comes that night where you just don't really have it like you normally do. Uh, and you, you're going to get beat. And so that, that was, it was sad, you know, madness and sadness. That's my tagline for today. It's, it's sad, but at the same time, I don't think it's uh, there, there's any sort of problem. I think fans sometimes, you know, how do you fix it? And, and there's nothing to fix. It's just one of those nights. Just like in baseball, Friday was just one of those nights. Kingston said it himself. Uh, nothing went our way. Uh, who knew Noah Hall would have some back issues? Uh, get up, fight tomorrow. And the Gamecock baseball team did that. So if you're Don Staley, get up. It's a long year. Uh, you go back, you get players, you keep recruiting. Um, and you go after the title again next year. Nothing's, nothing says you can't win it next season. Uh, but, uh, you know, I understand the disappointment uh, just because this team was so dominant. Um, and it just it's one of those basketball things that happens from time to time that happened to the Gamecocks on Friday night. Hey, Phil. Hey. Yep. It was a bad night to have a bad night. You know, that's just kind of how we sum it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, much, much will be made for – you know what's going on with the you know officiating and things like that, and the differences in oh, how sucked, yeah. Friday was officiated versus last night was officiated. I mean, you know, and, and people pick it apart, but I mean, you're right, JC. It, it is there's you know there's more parity now. I mean, it's not you don't have just one dominant group and and then all these you know random upstarts. So this Iowa's a solid team. Uh, Clark's a good player, uh, and then you know you just hate that LSU won it. <laughs> because now you're having to recruit against that, thinking that, okay, we're probably ahead of them now, and it'll be, you know, maybe a year or two before they get out ahead of us. Yeah. But nope, uh, they're here. <laughs> oh, that's a good point, Phil. Uh, because, yeah, you know, that, t- Tennessee's tough. on the men, too, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so the SEC, you mentioned Ole Miss already, JC. I'll add this, too. I was, I mentioned this this morning with Bill and, um, and, and Preston on 107.5 the game. I, I think that you can actually make a, Strong case for the women's game over the men's game right now for a couple of reasons, kind of piggybacking on what you had said, JC. So you, while the transfer portal is obviously at play in the women's game, um, it is not as wild as the Wild West that we've seen in the men's game. Maybe it will be. But at the same time, you've, you've got a couple of other things factoring in here. Uh, one, you don't have the the dark belly side of NIL stealing kids, but most importantly, you know what you don't have the one and done rule. And so, what you're getting is what we all grew up with, or a lot of us grew up with, where the, you get these kids for three and four years, they become a part of your quote unquote air family, uh, where you you watch them on TV, you go see the games, they've been around there. I mean, look, look at that. I mean, look, look at right here in South Carolina. All these all these young women have been at South Carolina for a few years, and it, it hurts because you feel like you know them. You've watched Aaliyah Boston cry before. You've watched Zaya Cook and all these players under Don Staley. You've watched what they've grown through, right? Well, you can't grow unless you're sticking around. 
And that's a lot of what you're seeing in the women's game. It's made it really good. Uh, you happen to have a bunch of superstars, uh, Caitlin Clark, and, and, and how she kind of carries herself at times. Angel Reese, same thing. And then you got this whole group from South Carolina. You've got others out there, so it's a really good mix of stars. But you don't have this one-and-done rule uh, that's that's picking, picking cherry-picking the best players out of the game and throwing them off into the WNBA. And you also don't have the transfer portal totally wreaking havoc on women's basketball like it's been in men's basketball. The numbers prove that. So so it, it has become a really, really entertaining sport. Uh, it, it has set itself up very nicely. The numbers are way up. TV, attendance, you name it. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, marketing and advertising going on out there for a lot of these players. And the game has come a long way, and, and that is great. I think it's only going to continue to get better. So uh, I just think that there's a lot at play there as to w- why all of a sudden this time, like think about this, you legitimately can make the argument right now that the women's game is being talked about more than the men's game. Both of them were in the Final Four this weekend. So hats off to women's basketball. It's unfortunate Carolina didn't get there. Obviously, we were all heartbroken to see that. Does not take away from their season. Does not take away from the careers that all these young young women had. Uh, hats off to all of them. It was unbelievable to watch them play together. But also, hat tip to both Iowa and LSU for doing what they needed to do. And um, and Iowa got hot. And then, of course, yesterday, LSU, the way they were shooting it early, you, you, you knew it. You could see it. Mulkey had gotten them ready to go. She's one of the best coaches of all time for a reason, and they proved it yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, they came in there to to win. I mean, period. The end. No, they had yeah, they, they got better. <laughs> they got better. That, that, I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's a reason I said, you know, like I said, I'm not a women's basketball expert by any stretch. I just more of a gut feeling. I thought, well, you know, there are three. They came through their region pretty solid. Uh, Played a, a really good Virginia Tech team that had them down, almost had them beat, really, uh, and rallied. And you can see the athleticism and, and all that good stuff happened there. But yeah. um, anyway, we'll change the subject because I'm sure Keith will talk about this a lot later and kind of yeah. get into the, the X's and O's and the Y's uh, of why the Gamecocks did not uh, did not finish the deal on, yeah. uh, at the Women's Final Four. Well, certainly looking forward to that. Keith will join us. I don't think he'll be on uh, TV today with us. He's got some things going on, but he will be joining us via phone. Uh, John Whittle is coming up here in just a moment. As far as I know, uh, correct me where I'm wrong here, Phil, but I think we will have his face on the screen, which will be nice. There's a lot to get to otherwise. Okay. There's a lot to get to in football. JC is definitely going to fill us in on that. While we've been talking, Stephen Clark the grad transfer from the Citadel has committed to the Gamecocks, and uh, so he will he will be in the Garnet and Black. It's the second straight year that a now former Bulldog has become come up I twenty six and become a Gamecock. The uh, first, of course, was Hayden Brown. Stephen Clark did average sixteen and a half points per game last year uh, for the Citadel in the Southern Conference. Another player from that program that Lamont Paris certainly is very familiar with. So we'll try to get a little bit more a little bit more background on him. Again, what a week it's setting up to be. Tomorrow night in Charlotte, uh, 13th ranked North Carolina, 6th ranked South Carolina, and then we turn around weather permitting on Thursday and kick off a three-game series at Founders Park between the top ranked 
LSU Tigers, and now, as I just mentioned, the sixth-ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. For those that couldn't get over the fact that they got beat on Friday night, let that tell you something. They moved up three spots in the polls this weekend. You're going to lose in this game. Uh, They were one of three SEC teams, by the way, to get beat by at least nine runs on Friday night. All three of those teams, they're in the top ten. Arkansas, Florida, and South Carolina. So it is a dog-eat-dog world. So we'll hit a timeout, and when we return, John Whittle, who was in Starkville, can fill in the gaps. There are some injury things to get to there, certainly, but this is a big, big week, as big as it's been in a long time for Carolina baseball to make a statement. Could they potentially move their way all the way up to number one in the nation? You betcha. We'll let John tell us why when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Ja'Kai Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John B. and his team a call, 803-446-4662. Hey, Phil. That damn Outer Banks, man. I can't. These girls are watching it, and the guy's name's John B. John Barber gets me every time. Gold jacket and green jacket. It is the Masters. 
That's <laughs> that's right. That's right. And the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Realty Team here in the Upstate. Give Cindy a call eight six four four one four five two seven one. We're joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than John Whittle of Twenty Four Seven Sports, the Big Spur. Oh, John, we got us a baseball team this year. I think we're all ready to call it, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we start uh, we, we start seeing a little bit more of a tick up in competition here beginning this week. But, man, you can't argue with what they've done so far. More than halfway through the regular season now it, at this point. And you can't mm-hmm. be in a better spot than where you are. No. So, John, sure. yeah, fill in the gaps here, right? Because – Mississippi State got their first win of the league in the league against Carolina the other night. Now we've all been watching from afar, kind of shockingly. You know, oh my gosh! I mean, we, you know that you know the coaches over there. You know Scott Foxhall. You know Chris Lamonis. I've known those guys a long time. They're outstanding. It's an outstanding program. They just won the national championship not even two years ago, and then. You know, they finished last year in a major slide, and they opened this year in the league play in a major slide. So you got your eyes on it up close and personal this weekend. Carolina, that score, if you didn't watch the Saturday game, it the gap was not that wide until the final three outs of the game, six outs of the game. Um, so tell us what you saw, and and we'll kind of be able to compare that with the newest rankings because by virtue of going on the road and taking those two of three, uh, in addition to the Citadel win, they, they actually moved up three spots to number six in the D1 poll. Well, we all talked last week about Mississippi State's deficiencies, right? Like they've been walking everybody. They've been committing a bunch of errors. They, they, you know, they, they've been doing a lot of things that make you lose ball games. And when you go back and look at what they did over the weekend, the innings that they were really competitive, which were the vast majority of the 27 this past weekend, or 25, I guess, they were – they were really they, they they weren't doing those things. They weren't walking guys. They had they had one pitcher uh, until about the last, I guess, probably two innings of, of the series. They had one pitcher who who had walk problems uh, on, on the week, and they didn't walk hardly anybody. They hit they hit a couple, but didn't walk hardly anybody. They didn't make really errors, consequent consequential ones until you know right near the end of that Saturday and final game. Um, you know, if, if, if you don't hurt yourself, you're going to be in most games when you're talented like Mississippi State is, and they've got some talent. You know, watching watching their pitchers, they, they had mid-90s guys who were throwing against South Carolina all throughout the first couple of days and, and certainly in the day three as well. So, um, you know, I, I thought that they looked better than what their record indicates and probably because they weren't making the mistakes that have have, have caused them to, to lose ball games over the course of the season. John, you, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the resilience of this team and, you know, you, you kind of look at it. So you, you had the 13 to three debacle and Kingston even said it after the game. So did Messina app ah, just wasn't our night. Got to get back, back there and get after it. Uh, so then you have three, nothing. Uh, Mississippi state comes back, takes a four to three lead. Their crowds into it. Uh, Again, I think previous teams would have been around here would have been like, well, here we go again. Uh, but these guys come back. They take a 7-4 lead. State gets a run. And then the floodgates open there at the end for a 14-5 win. Uh, that kind of stuff to me, just to look at it. And Ethan Petrie, too. You know, he had a didn't have a great day. Then all of a sudden, 
boom, he gets a hold of one. It rolls all the way to the wall and clears the bases. <laughs> uh, and I think he embodies kind of this resilience these guys have. You know, uh, bad things have happened this year during the course of a game or, or they lose a game or whatever. They always seem to bounce back, whether in-game or the next day. Uh, what can you say about that? Well, first of all, I, I made a stop at Bucky's on the way back from uh, from Mississippi State this past weekend. Stopping at the Amazing. one in Leeds. Uh, that that was that was a one and only stop on the way back. I was I was feeling it on on Saturday night and, and trucked it all the way back to Columbia from Starkville uh, with with the one quick stop there at Bucky's. But but yeah, to, to your point, I mean the the team's been resilient all year and they fought last year. I know we talked about that that on this show last week, but. Um, they've been resilient all year and, and, uh, you know, I, I really, you sent me a text message in that game, JC saying Ethan Petrie just refuses to have a bad game. And it's, you know, it's remarkably true. Like he struck out badly his first two at bats and then his third, he grounded into a double play and the other three, he hit piss missiles and it was, uh, <laughs> that, that, that big hit to, to clear the bases, uh, was obviously absolutely huge and giving the team some breathing room. Um, you know, he's just he just continues to come through. And, you know, there there's some other really good freshmen out there, but man, it's hard hard to imagine any of them being uh quite as impactful as position players as, as Ethan Petrie has been. They're they're five and one on the road in league play. Okay. I don't care who you've played on the road in league play. Five and one on the road in league play is a statement. And that is showing up clearly in the RPI, clearly in the rankings. They're being paid attention to um, uh, because State has not been as good this year. It is, I, I think, just massively overlooked right now by so many people. They just went into Starkville and took two of three. That is not easy to do, but they did it. So, John, there, there's just a lot to unpack here, but we got to kind of have to kick the can down the road a little bit. We've got a lot going on. This week, this is this week is huge, weather permitting, of course, uh, with a lot of rain planning to to enter the Midlands later on this week. But you've got 13th ranked North Carolina and Charlotte, so you got a neutral site game there, and then you got the top ranked team in the country coming to town. And if you take care of all your business this week, which in my my mind, taking care of business means winning three or four, there is a chance, depending on what happens in that Tennessee Florida series that you could look up next week and, and be number one, potentially. Before we get there, though, there are things that they're having to deal with. So any updates? No, I know Noah Hall all of a sudden has got a little bit of a back issue. Uh, where are we with, with Will Sanders? What are they at least thinking right now as far as pitching tomorrow night with the series coming up beginning on Thursday against LSU? Can you kind of fill in the gaps here? I haven't thought about that whole number one ranking thing, but you know, now that you mention it, that's probably a, a possibility. Now, I don't think they're going to play three games this weekend here at Founders Park either. against LSU, and and if they get in more than one, it's probably a victory with the way the forecast looks. Um, I'm not a big early forecast guy because those things change so much and are wrong more, even more than that. So, um, you know, I'm not. I guess we'll see what what happens with the weather, but you know the the rain is is uh, supposed to come in late Thursday night and settle in for the rest of the weekend, even through Sunday. So uh, they'll have to be really wrong. But you know, in terms of pitching plans, 
I, I think you'll probably see Matthew Becker, maybe Eli Jerzenbeck, but definitely both in, in some order uh, on, on Tuesday against North Carolina. Um, as, as far as this weekend goes, Will Sanders, I, I expect to start Thursday. There, there hasn't been any kind of official announcement yet or, or anything along those lines. And, you know, I asked Kingston on Saturday specifically, you know, if he had some early thoughts on his pitching plans for the week, and he said no. <laughs> and that was it, which is fine because he just won a series in Starkville and hadn't really thought about next week yet. So understood, <laughs> had to ask anyway, right? So um, I, I would have to imagine that he's going to go on on Thursday. You know, he he warmed up on Friday. Uh, he's not hurt, and and I know there's probably a little bit of of uh, concern about that um, amongst the masses that, that he's injured or, or anything like that. There's no soreness. There's no nothing like that. He's, he's fine. He warmed up Friday. It was more of a mental reset than, than anything else and working on a couple of things to try to get him right. But um, I think he'll go on Thursday. Uh, you know, if I had to guess if, if weather permitting, they probably go with Eli Jones or excuse me, with Jack Mahoney on, on Friday and in TBA on, on Saturday and try to give Noah Hall's back a little bit more time. But um, he's been dealing with some back, back stuff for most of the year. There was one scare earlier this year where they thought he may not be able to pitch on a, on a weekend, but he, he kind of toughed it out and went, went through it, but and he tried to do that this past weekend and just wasn't able to. So um, he's, he's certainly having some back issues and is certainly very much up in the air, whether he's going to be able to go this this weekend or not, but you know, South Carolina still got some really good arms back there. Eli Jones certainly showed on, on Thursday night that he can, yeah. he can be really good against really good competition. So that's nice to, uh, and, and James Hicks too. And so it's really nice to have that kind of, kind of uh, ace in the hole. Eli Jones was good. Yeah. He, he, he looked special. Do you, any possibility? I mean, I guess there is a possibility that they would decide, hey, let's go ahead and try to play two on Thursday? Yeah, that, that's possible. Um, it, it is possible to move up uh, uh, one, one of those games um, and, and play play a doubleheader on Thursday. Uh, I don't know if that's something that they'll they'll want to do. They certainly want want Founders Park, you know, loud and engaged and, and helping out this weekend. And, and um, you know, Thursday attendance is – usually isn't the best anyway, especially if you start trying to throw one in on Thursday afternoon sometime. But, you know, it's certainly a possibility if you're if you're just trying to play as, as many innings as possible. Uh, I haven't heard that as being an uh, option or a conversation just yet, but it's certainly something that's doable within SEC rules. All right, guys. This here's a little nugget for all of you, John. You probably knew this, Phil, JC. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I I did text a trusted source, whom we all know quite well, on Friday night after King got thrown out of the game, and I found out that the guy that tossed Coach Kingston was the same guy that tossed Vitello last year when Vi- Tony bumped him. Uh, apparently, he's kind of a West Coast guy. Uh, I haven't talked to Mark, John. You have. Um, pretty unique situation this week in Starful. Limo get, gets the boot on Thursday. King gets it on Friday. Uh, so uh, clearly neither one of those guys were happy. Any idea what it was that was said, PG version, uh, to get Mark thrown out, Coach Kingston thrown out of the game? And and you're, you you know the game inside and out, John, and, and umpires. Um, 
look, if you toss somebody, you toss them. But it, this 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 thing that we've gotten into here, where umpires can just turn their back and walk away and not have to hear one word from these coaches because they can't quote cross the line. This is kind of ridiculous. Like you've already thrown him out of the game. So let him have a say for a minute or so and then be done with it. I that that to me, just as like a man, as a baseball guy, traditional baseball guy, we've always seen the arguments and stuff. It's gotten I, I don't like where the game has gone. These guys can't cross the line to make you step back on the other side of the chalk. Just your kind of casual thoughts on that, because I know it is frustrating for a lot of these coaches. The fact that they can't even come out and ask a question anymore without somebody telling them you need you're too close to me. You need to back up on the other side over there. Yeah, uh, first of all, I to be honest with you, I I didn't get the explanation from from King on what he was he was so upset about. That's something I meant to chat with him about, you know, off the record to. To, to see what I could come up with. We sit way up in the air on the third base side. And, and to be honest with you, like my eye doesn't even really know what, what was, what was going on and, and what was said. So, um, you know, that was, uh, it, it was, it, it certainly, certainly seemed odd to, to be honest with you, but you know, as, as far as your other comments, I, I mean, I certainly get where you're, you're coming from. I, 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 I don't like the, the long and, and drawn out arguments and, and, and so forth. But at the same time, I think we've gone a little bit too far in, in the other direction in terms of, you know, not letting a coach out on the field and, and, you know, making them stay outside of the circle or the, the white line or, or, mm-hmm. or what, or what have you. So, I mean, I, I think it's gotten, gotten a little bit silly, uh, but I, I don't think there's enough accountability uh, among umpires at the same time. Um, I, I wish it would be. I, I, I would. I would like to see more post game accountability when it comes to umpires or basketball officials, football officials, what have you, and and hear about and hear about it versus, you know, necessarily making a scene in game. I, I would rather just play the game, uh, but I, I do think there needs to be more accountability among umpires, and this is a step back from that versus a, a step forward. So. You know, I, I would like to hear about suspensions for for officials or umpires or, or what have you. Um, I'd rather I'd rather them be taken off games or, or what what have you when when uh, when when they do things egregiously poor um, demotions, what have you. So that's what I would rather see versus you know the ability to go kick dirt on somebody. Uh, so that, that, that's that's how I would like to see see officials held accountable. But you know, at the same time, I think we're taking a step back from accountability versus towards it. Lake said the same thing here on Friday, guys. He yeah, he said the same. Thing. He wants yeah. a press conference. Stewart yeah, wants a press right. conference. He wants to line them up. I guess yeah. since he's kind of in the media now, he could go in there and fire questions at him, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, like it, you don't have to have a press conference, in my opinion, after every game. But if there's if there if an umpire. Uh, let's say the crew chief is requested to explain something. They should have to step up there and explain it. I mean, as Stewart said, why, why there's a set, you put a 17 year old kid on the podium and ask him why he did and didn't do this, but get an umpire that screws up the whole game and coaches can't even comment on it. It's a joke. I mean, what world are we in here? I think it's funny too. They they're like football refs now. I mean, I guess we're going to see him start crunching, pumping iron like football refs because they uh they have a mic 
like I, that one that's stupid. Now it's the dumbest. It's the dumbest rule I think I've ever seen in any sport anywhere, uh, John. This this notion that somebody can throw you a fastball two feet inside and drill you in the elbow and you're going down in writhing pain, and that's a strike. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. Like, there, there's uh, got to be some sort of common sense factor in that I mean, rule. Like, I I sort of understand where where the rule comes about. Like, if you're if you're down 0-2 and you lean into a pitch and you know it's it's maybe a little bit off the plate and it's a ball like, but you're trying to get hit and get on base. Like, I understand why you would want to call that a strike because it, it dissuades you. If, if you're getting a strike call versus a ball call, it dissuades you from trying to lean into the pitch, right? Yeah. Gavin Casas was not trying to intentionally get hit by that baseball. His no, arm went up and towards where that baseball was going, but he was trying to protect his face and his head and his life. <laughs> so there, yeah. there should be some common sense there and, and that not be a strike call, but there's no, no room for common sense in that rule. So, <laughs> you know, it, it just, uh, it, it's, it's really, really frustrating for, for that one. And, you know, we saw on the, the, the call on Saturday, you can see his elbow and that big Evo shield guard kind of, move out towards a plate to get hit by that ball in a, in a two strike mm-hmm. count. And, you know, to me, that's what that rule is there to prevent. Um, I guess he didn't think he was going to have that one called on him twice in a row, but you know, he stuck out his elbow to, to try to get hit by a pitch and, and get his base. And, you know, you, you really shouldn't be doing that. And that's why there is a strike call there versus a ball call. Well, I, I, I agree. It, you know, like Monty on – we saw Monty late Thursday night tweet something about this, mm-hmm. which is rare for Monty. I mean, it, it, and above all of this, like you, y'all just – JC, you said it. John, you've said it. Phil doesn't have any. But the words common sense – I'm kidding, Phil. Uh, <laughs> the, the words common sense, That's like, fair. it all the, – the, it's 95 at his head. He's not – well, I mean – and that, that's, that's what I'm where, saying. Like, why? If you, I think it's ludicrous. Anyways, we sent all this crap to to Birmingham uh, while you're in SEC play. But if you're Birmingham, we should be flexible enough to say, you know what? I'm going to send this back to you. You made the call. You're one foot behind it. How fast was the ball traveling? One ninety five. Where was it going? In his teeth. Send him to first. You know, you make the call. I'm not going to make this from Birmingham. Like, why? Why? We like, there's no common sense in any of this. Well, yeah, I mean, I but I think if you're Birmingham, like, and and you're the umpires on the field, like, you can use Birmingham as as the excuse. Well, they they made the call. They're they're the ones who are seeing it on TV and and can can actually see that little pitch pitch speedometer up in the little left hand corner that says the ball's going 95 miles an hour and they can see very clearly that it's going in his head like they should be able to but by with slow motion replay not that you can't see it live but they should be able to tell that this this guy is is really actually trying to protect himself so um i mean common sense for me is is uh even easier when you're looking at it from the the thousand foot view over and over again on on replay and and, uh, and and having a, a few seconds to to actually think and make a, a, a determination that that you know this guy is 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 protecting himself versus 
versus trying to intentionally get hit by the pitch, which is what the what the rule says. Like they're they're basically saying that Gavin Costas was trying to get hit by the pitch intentionally, and it, and he wasn't. I mean his his arm goes from where it would be naturally into the path of the ball. So, I mean that if you say that. That sounds like somebody's trying to get intentionally, but if you watch it, you can tell that he's not trying to get hit intentionally. I guess my question is like, what should he have done? Right. I mean, you're right. you're Which taught is where the common sense comes into it. Right. Yeah. What should you have done? The ball is in the batter's box. It crosses the chalk. Okay. Oh yeah. Which is your territory. So if you are coached, and they are, to take it, wear it. So what's he supposed to wear it in the face? I mean, just, orbital fracture. Yep. Just, <laughs> yeah, what, somebody should wear one in the face and sue the pants off of the freaking league for it. See what happens. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's that's hardcore. <laughs> that's hardcore. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Uh, so, so John from the chat box says this. He says, "At what point as a coach do you not challenge that call out of common sense? I get trying to take advantage, but another perspective is game integrity." I'll just answer and say it's the SEC. Chris Lamonis has not had a good year. They're kind of howling at him over there. I think if you're a competitor, you within the rules, you don't make the rules. You take what you could get. Um, although, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 sometimes things like that come back to bite you, you know, because <laughs> it, it could happen to them just like everybody else. So that's kind of uh, my take on that. John. Uh, we'll let you run on this one here. Obviously, we, we know what's coming to town. LSU, everybody throws 140 miles an hour in the whole nine yards. Um, I mean, it, it's got a chance to be an exceptional series. But first things first, that's tomorrow. I mean, well, let's not forget about this, right? This is North Carolina and South Carolina. How much have you seen of the, out of the Tar Heels? The, how much have you seen from the Tar Heels this year? What type of program are they? What type of team they have? To be honest, I haven't I haven't really even watched a, a ton of them. I've turned them on a couple of times and, and know that it may, mainly early in the season they were trying to find themselves a little bit in terms of position guys and, and how how guys would fit in the order. Um, but they 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 keep finding a way to, to to rattle off victories. So you know it's it's certainly a game where uh, South Carolina hasn't had as much success as they would like um, last year. So somehow being the, the weird exception to that, um, you know, so it was, uh, th- that, that was one of the most shocking results of, of, of last season, uh, yeah. for me period. But, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a big game and, and I hate that it's, and it, and it is going to be overshadowed a little bit by, by LSU this weekend, but you know, it's, it's the next one up and South Carolina's got, Got some arms available. Matthew Becker didn't pitch at all this past weekend. Eli Jerzenbeck didn't pitch at all this past weekend. Um, you know, Becker's had some some really good success. Jerzenbeck's dad pitched at North Carolina, and and uh, he's certainly going to want to uh, make up for uh, Eli, not his dad. Eli will want to make up for that last start that he had in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, I, I mean, I anticipate it certainly being being a really tight contest. Border battle in Charlotte, a place uh, Carolina really has had a lot of success outside of losing to Charlotte up there uh, not too long ago. Interesting note in this in this game, uh, cool cool storyline. Great kid, Reese Holbrook, of course, plays for North Carolina. That is one of the sons of Chad Holbrook, and he's hitting about two seventy eight on the year. 
limited at bats, but but um, he's had some success up there. So it'll be be neat to to see it all play out tomorrow night. Guys, did we miss anything? Did y'all want to get John's comments real quick on the transfer from the Citadel? Yeah, transfer portal pickup for Lamont Paris, Stephen Clark. Um, looks like this guy's a pretty good shooter. Uh, another guy from the Citadel. He's six eight, po- kind of more the type of post player Lamont likes, don't you think, John? Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, if you're recruiting this guy to be a starter and and come in and and you know <laughs> score a bunch of points and play a bunch of minutes, then you know, you're probably not recruiting the right guys, but he has a, he has a spot on on this roster uh, that he can, he can contribute and and be productive. And, you know, that's probably if if things go really well in the, in the portal, that's probably going to be coming off the bench, but he's an upgrade based on, you know, his skill set and what Lamont Paris is looking for and what South Carolina had on its roster this past season. So he's some guy who can come in and, and contribute meaningful minutes uh, and and certainly certainly be competitive. And Lamont Paris knows exactly what he's getting. Obviously, like he they've he's coached against against Stephen Clark what a half a dozen times at least uh, back from back from his his days up at Chattanooga to in, in Clark's days at the Citadel. So you know I I, I certainly uh, I'm not gonna hopefully I'm not going to be trumpeting this. Um, is the crown jewel of South Carolina's transfer portal class, <laughs> but he's certainly Double. certainly a nice piece to to the puzzle. That's going to have about five or six pieces. Talon Cooper and Clark; those are the only two right now. So we give that grade a B. Um, yeah, that seems that seems fair. I mean, Talon Cooper is certainly somebody you need from from a point guard standpoint. Gives you some length. Uh, tremendous passing ability, uh, six in the in the country in in steals. One of ten guys to to average six or more assists per game. Um, you know, they, South Carolina really could have used him this past season with uh, to to help create some or give Gigi Jackson some more opportunities to to uh, be in great scoring spots and uh, just. Uh, so far, so good, in my opinion, for South Carolina in the portal. They've they've got some some good names that they're in on who uh, they have a really good chance with. Um, so I, I I feel I feel a lot better about where this transfer portal class is going uh, than I did you know a month after the season or a couple of weeks, few weeks after Lamont Paris was hired last year. So I I, I think they're in a decent spot right now. Keep the weather away, John. You got a job to do over the next seventy-two hours or so. We'll be we'll be watching. I'll do closer. my best, but don't don't hold don't hold me to this one because I'm I'm gonna have very little influence on it unless it goes well. Then it was all me. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. One, one more. <laughs> what, what, all right. So what's the cannon on your hat? What what what's the hat? I have to know. <laughs> oh, you like Did the you- hat? Did you go yeah. to like a war reenactment or something while you're in Alabama or no, no, this is uh this this would be the uh Arsenal Gunners who are top of the table uh, of the English Premier League. And I know that it's uh not not right amongst most baseball players for to uh to like soccer and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I'm just one of the weird ones who happens to like both. So <laughs> You know, we're, I should have known as the Gunners. I should have yeah. known. I, well, I, my bad. Nope. I missed. But that when one. your team is top of the table, you've got you've got to support them on shows like it, shows like this one, especially when it hasn't happened in I don't know twenty years. Outstanding. Do, do you like? Uh, do you and like Jay Phillips and Bill Gunner like get together for soccer <laughs> Sundays or what? Do you, you know? 
Throw your well, I will say that Jay Phillips and I are part of a uh, Arsenal group chat. Oh. So, so, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, there is, there is a little bit of that going on. Are y'all the only nice. ones in there with, like, traditional American, Southern American accents? Or... <laughs> um, John. Well, I, I don't know if I can – I don't know if I can uh, – divulge who all is in that group but there That's there okay. are some other folks that you that you guys probably know who are in there oh i bet i could guess one i bet he knows a little something about soccer mm, potentially yeah yeah well i i, I just so learned closet got, football fans is a thing so. <laughs> football. i mean closet i just learned that they've got preston thorn get, getting into this whole oh, soccer man. thing. i said i said preston I'm gonna have to talk to them about that. So come on. I don't wake up early enough to hear hear uh, WG show very often. So I I I, uh, I did have class with Preston back when we were in college together. We had a we had a history class. I don't remember much of it because I didn't really go very often. <laughs> yeah. um, but but yes. Uh, so uh, but but yes. I, I have I have great respect for uh, the folks who who. Uh, We'll come around and, and and like that sport. I didn't like. I didn't start following it until I was in my in my twenties. So you know, I I, I was not a, a soccer lifer. Well, hats off to you, literally, and uh, best of luck to that cannon team on your hat there. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Here's John. John Whittle with a group called the Big Spur. Dot. Um, matter of fact, the guy that owns it right there with the little little Bucky guy in his hat. All right, we're painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. Final timeout of hour one, and we'll be right back. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs, and I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Gamecock Nation, JB here, and I'm here to tell you about my new favorite painting company, A Couple of Painters. These guys are the best. Gamecock fans and excellent painters and by far the best and easiest quote I've received. They're licensed in both South Carolina and Georgia. They offer 10% off for military, repeat customers, or if you heard it on the show, commercial and residential painting, deck, fence, and cabin staining, cabinet and furniture refinishing. They'll even remove popcorn ceilings and wallpaper, and they offer pressure washing. Find them on Facebook or call 803-522-6832. A couple of painters, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. 
in-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. You're tuned into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Sideline is picked off. Brad Edwards will get a convoy. Touchdown, South Carolina. Well, I bet you wonder when, when you win or lost a step or two. Fell down the peck in order, couldn't Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms. Give John Barber and his team a call or shoot him an email at johnb at expresssunrooms.com. They'll be happy to set up a no-obligation consultation to talk about how they could potentially turn your backyard into an outdoor retreat. And Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team in the Upstate sponsor the first hour, as always. That was a great conversation with Mr. Whittle there. Yeah, he's 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 one of the best. I can't believe he drove all the way back after the game on Saturday. I was thinking that, too, when he said it. I'm like, whoo, that's a long drive. Where's the – there's got to be – a couple, at least a couple of Buckies between Starkville and Columbia, because he's obviously coming back I twenty. I think Leeds, Alabama, is where he went. Somebody asked if it was the one in Kentucky. It's not. It's uh, no. Now that's the one I went to, the Richmond, Kentucky. That's the one I always go to, heading south. But uh, excuse me, it was in Leeds, Alabama. I think Leeds, he, he's, uh, Leeds, Alabama. Right. I didn't Roll even get tide. to ask John what type of food he had down there. I wonder if he got any catfish uh, or barbecue. I would guess brisket, but I'm not too positive about that. We got some football recruiting news, by the way. You mentioned uh, Derek McClendon, defensive end from Florida State, is in the portal uh, visiting South Carolina starting today or tomorrow. Let me see what Tony said. Tomorrow, 6-4-260. FSU's got a lot of depth at defensive end, some really good players, including Gilbert Edmond, who they added from South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Derek would be a good pickup. Uh, he was a, a four-star guy. Um, his production has been similar to Jordan Birch and, and uh, Gilbert Edmond, if you look at just the numbers career-wise. Uh, he's a bigger, thicker guy, 260 on the defensive end. Um, I think kind of maybe a Terrell Dawkins type, you know, just somebody Carolina needs. Uh, so I think that's going well. Uh, Brandon also asked in the chat box, do you think Beamer will add another running back or defensive end? The answer to that's yes. Uh, I feel confident they will. I think the running back thing is a matter of depth. I think it's depth really at both spots because if you start thinking about it, you know, if Dawkins or if they get McClendon or if Tyreek Johnson, Bryant, whoever is your starter opposite Jordan Strong, who I believe will start, uh, then you're looking at depth and you don't want to rely completely on Desmond Umiazulu as a freshman. Uh, to be that guy you want to rotate, things like that. Uh, running back to me is definitely a depth play. Uh, if you can find one that come in to be the starter, great. But, uh, you know, I was looking around the SEC last year. Heck, man, Tennessee had the best offense uh, in the league. Uh, small and the other one, I mean, they, they were just kind of 
kind of guys, good players, but but they didn't have a superstar running back. Uh, you know, you sort of look and, and, and LSU, I mean, excuse me, Ole Miss had another, they had a really good offense and everybody thought Zach Evans, oh, five-star guy from TCU is going to light it up. Turns out it was a three-star kid from Alabama <laughs> that did it as a true freshman over there. Um, Florida rotated their backs. Georgia rotated their backs. Uh, Alabama had, you know, one good one and then some other ones they rotated in. So it, it's not as critical anymore to have one guy that's, uh, you know, the big time stud that's helpful. Don't get me wrong. I'd take Marshawn Lloyd back if we could. But um, I, I think that you can have a great offense in this league without being super duper stacked at running back. You know, as long as you block and all those things, which I don't care who you have, uh, you're going to have to block. Uh, Brandon also asked about Dylan Stewart and King Joseph Edwards. Those are two edge players the Gamecocks are in on. I'm going to tell you this about Dylan Stewart until over the weekend. Carolina's right there in it. It's going to be a dog fight. I'm not saying they're getting him. I'm not saying they're not getting him, though. Uh, it's going to be a dog fight with many of the best programs in the country, including Bama, Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, that's how good this kid is. Uh, King Joseph also has a uh, a lengthy offer list. Uh, he's one of those kids that, that I like the way he approaches recruiting because he has good things to say about every school he goes to. But he's been coming over to Carolina to visit for a while, just like Justin Green, another four-star defensive lineman from the state of Georgia. So, you know, I, I would just classify all those guys as Carolina's in the thick of it, but the competition's stiff, so we'll just have to see how it goes. Um, with both those, just to fill you guys in, like it's kind of like the Phil Cornblut recruiting report there, right? <laughs> yeah, got to yeah. get it at the top of the hour. Uh, but uh, but you know, so I think that's uh, that's the deal there. Uh, you know, as far as football goes, and it's uh, as spring practice continues this week, and you know, we get into the portal opening next week after the spring game. Uh, there's going to be a, a flurry of activity that takes place uh, as they continue to shape this roster for 2023. We are out of time, and. Hour number one. Uh, certainly looking forward to the top of the hour because Keith Allstep will join us to first discuss both women and men in basketball. We will dip back into some of this rep- recruiting stuff because I, I have a, uh, a question for JC as it pertains to Derek McClendon. And uh, so stick around for that, certainly. More baseball to get into. And once again, it is Masters Week. All of you that love golf, this is Disneyland for us. If you don't love golf, but you like sports, you can't help but watch the Masters, right? It's kind of the unofficial kickoff of the, the spring. And Masters Week on our program is teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. Just trust me, TravelingCountryClub.com. You'll find this is the coolest club you could be a part of. And the membership gets you into over 40 courses in the Carolinas, both North and South Carolina, all over the place. Myrtle Beach, Charlotte, Greenville, Waynesville, Columbia, Hilton Head, Charleston area, you name it. Yeah, they're everywhere. TravelingCountryClub.com teeing up Masters Week on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Keith Alsep, he leads us off when we return. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. 
Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with them to talk about how they could potentially enclose a porch or a patio for you. Uh-oh, and, of Phil. course, uh-huh. JC better be careful. The last time he did this, he showed up and the, his jersey was spelled wrong. Oh, my goodness. Was <laughs> that not just... Uh-oh. That was, Uh-oh. That's good. We're good. We're good. The, uh... Old. I know. Don't worry, boys. A little too quick for me there. Shoot That's right. If you, back in if the you, house. If you yeah. have not seen the video and have only heard the audio <laughs> of the, the hockey jersey incident, I strongly recommend you go to YouTube and look through our videos. We have it cut. It's very short, and it just will make your day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. are live now with Keith also of Gamecock Pod Daily. I wonder if Keith has ever misspelled his own last name. Gamecock Pod Live. Keith, have you ever you ever drop an L in your name at any time? Or, or I have not, but no. I've been called everything from Alsep to All Sop to Asleep to asleep. Offset. Uh, yeah. Oh, I bet autocorrect. A hole. Your name into yeah. sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I told you all the story when we had our family photos done, and they gave us the book, and it was the Bradshaw family. I was like, "Oh, wait a second here. I thought you knew this girl. Well, I do. I'm like, well, shit, no us. <laughs> Come on, man. You were paying you. You don't even know her last name. Anyways. Well, Keith, I tell you what, uh, uh, speaking of TravelingCountryClub.com, let's just tee you up here because uh, the, the women's season is in the books. Um, it didn't end the way that we all wanted it to end. but So I'll let you diagnose what you saw out of that game on Friday and then just roll right into the national championship and everything that it included last night, LSU winning, the officiating, the whole nine yards. Just uh, give us your thoughts on the whole weekend. Well, number one, I did not watch the women's national championship game. Uh, I didn't need to see Madge from the Golden Girls versus the Trailer Park Trash. So I didn't watch. 
I've watched the first three episodes of The Rabbit Hole streaming on Paramount Plus with Kiefer Sutherland from 24. Uh, excellent, excellent show. I think I'm glad I waited to see the first three episodes. Um, from what I know, one of LSU's reserves who really normally never scores uh, was seven for seven in the first half and five for five from three and two of two from the free throw line and had 21 points. I mean, what an Angel Reese. Like LSU was up, I guess, 20 points. And it was because a reserve who probably averaged five or six points a game scored 21 points in the second half. And, you know, Angel Reese, uh, well, I don't know, Phil will probably get this reference. JC and JB probably not. But Angel Reese is a lot like uh, summer vacation. No class. And so if you don't remember that line, you never watched Hey, 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 it's Fat Albert. So, um, you know, I mean, hey, here's the great thing. They put the game on ABC so all the national talking heads could finally witness how incompetent and pathetic the officiating is in women's college basketball. I've heard, you know, saw Bill Simmons uh, of the Ringer, who is a huge basketball guy. Mike Greenberg this morning on Get Up on ESPN. Um, I mean, it's an issue that, that, as you guys know, Jamie, from me being on on your uh, previous show, I've said it. I mean, it's the most horribly officiated sport in the NCAA, and with the game growing, they've got to do something about it. Why? Why is it? I, pro- I don't think probably the pay is not good enough. I don't think the training is good enough. And I look on TV now, and I see women officiating NBA games and NFL games. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But why don't you go recruit them and decide to pay them more money than they can make and do more games. Well, they can't do more games because the NBA plays 82 games. But um, it's just awful. And I'll be honest, I thought the officiating was absolutely atrocious. And it was set early in the first quarter on one of South Carolina's first possessions. Aaliyah Boston got held by the arm, accosted by another defender on her way across the lane. Then when she beat both defenders to the spot still, they shoved her almost to the three-point line where she caught the ball and took one dribble and the player clearly flops to the ground. And they called a charge. And it was Dee Cantner who did it, who's supposed to be the most highly respected official in the game. And watching her and Jim Carrey, uh, the mask, um, and that other official, I mean, I've I've lost all respect for Dee Cantner because 
the the second foul on Boston was a just complete BS uh, call. There were several other. I mean, I think the only legal screen they called was on Victoria Saxton, and Iowa's players were setting illegal screens and extending their elbows and sliding and mugging South Carolina's players, and then they'd just call a touch foul on South Carolina. Now, having said that, that is not what cost South Carolina the game, although I do believe it completely took Aaliyah Boston out. Well, it did take her out of the game like four minutes into the game. So she doesn't play the entire rest of the first half. And it's 22 to 13. And then the Gamecocks actually outscored Iowa by eight uh, on the back of Zia Cook, who had 18 first half points and really carried the team. But then to start the third quarter, they call another BS touch foul on Boston. And now she, in her head, she doesn't know what she can and can't do because she's getting mugged. And then there's incidental contact that has absolutely nothing to do with the play. And they're calling a foul on South Carolina. So what did cost South Carolina the game Friday? Uh, busted defensive assignments. I was sitting six rows behind South Carolina's bench mm-hmm. uh, because I know people that know people. Uh, I don't know people uh, that high up, but I know people that know people. <laughs> and so the, the, the game plan was to let Caitlin Clark go and to not let anybody else from Iowa hurt them. Well, I give credit to Iowa's coach. She did what, quite frankly, I would do or anybody with any sense in coaching would do, and that is get my, the best guard in the country in a ball screen with a big, and South Carolina's been switching those. Well, they decided – after the first few minutes, not to switch, but to hedge and then drop back. And one player did not drop back, and Iowa started slipping the screen or rolling, and it was uh, Monica Cesano, and she wound up scoring 18 points. Nobody else for Iowa was in double figures, and if South Carolina had not a busted defensive assignments and Zia Cook talked about it after the game. They had a plan to play the ball screens and they had one or two players who one would not, did not rotate over and one who, you know, on that stage, every mistake is magnified and, you know, Cesano hurt them. And that was not part of the game plan. South Carolina, though, guys, had 20 more field goal attempts than Iowa. Yep. You have to make shots. That is the bottom line. Um, Iowa also switched to a box in one in the second half on Zia Cook because she was driving in on their sagging man-to-man defense and getting a lot of what she wanted. And then it was kind of a box in one as a 
a four-player zone with one player following another player all over the floor and denying them the ball. And so she always was dribbling into a double team on the block. She had some costly turnovers, you know, trying to make plays for her team. Uh, but ultimately it comes down to making shots. And Caitlin Clark made big-time shots at big-time moments. Carolina made a run and took the lead. Caitlin Clark comes down. The left side of the floor pulls up from 28 feet, floating to the left, and drains a three. I mean, she was impressive. I mean, yeah. but at the end of the day, Aaliyah Boston not being on the floor and South Carolina not making shots. I mean, I think if those two teams played 10 times, and you saw Iowa on yesterday. I didn't, but they basically were toast at halftime. Um, I think if those teams play 10 times, South Carolina wins eight or nine times. But the one time Boston gets in foul trouble and you don't make shots, that's why it's a tournament sport and anything can happen in one game. And unfortunately, it didn't go South Carolina's way. I will say, and and I'm not a Hall of Fame coach. I'm an old high school and prep school coach. I would have probably played some different players, uh, particularly that played well in the first half that didn't really see much time in the second half instead of a couple of other players. Uh, I would have had a fourth quarter plan and a third quarter plan and a last three minute plan for Caitlin Clark to throw different defenses at her. But I've never been 131 and eight with a, particular group of players over four years and when you go 131 and eight and you have your system and you have your core beliefs and your values and you've come from double digits down on the road at Stanford and UConn and you've beaten all these ranked opponents over the years and this year I mean it's it's pretty in hindsight, it's easy to armchair quarterback, but Don Staley did not get out coached. Okay. I'm sorry for the message board maniacs or the guys that don't like her politics that wait for any opportunity to jump in and attack her or criticize the recruiting or criticize the way they play. Iowa's coach had a great game plan. They executed their best player was allowed to push off on essentially every play. I said it two weeks ago. Caitlin Clark uses her left arm a lot to create space. Basically, Mm -hmm. she pushes off. And they never call it. Uh, She also traveled three times. And another player traveled in the fourth quarter late in the game. And they didn't call any of them. Everybody in the arena, except the three assholes calling the game, knew it was traveling. Let let me ask you this, not to, you know, get totally off your your comments there, but Maryland was 29 of 
58 from the floor. Iowa was 28 of 57 from the floor. And so you combine those 50%, basically, I think 49.6% in the last two games. Was there anything in um, in Iowa's game plan that you saw that carried over from the Maryland-South Carolina matchup? Or or no, just like you, like you mentioned, uh, they just hit shots and the best player in the country made plays? I mean, I thought it was two completely different styles of play. I I think what happened was the same thing that happened against Maryland, and that was Bree Beal could not guard anybody. Bree Beal had the worst defensive game, I thought, of the year against Maryland. You know, she's a finalist for National Defensive Player of the Year, and I thought she was even worse against Iowa. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you got to say, man, she doesn't have it because she wasn't making baskets. She was one for nine. I would have played Breezy Hall and Letitia Ami here a lot more in the second half, but that's just me because L.A. was battling. She had eight points at halftime. Uh, Caitlin Clark couldn't shoot over her because she's 6'4 with a 6'11 wingspan, and she could lay off of her a little bit and still really bother her shot because of her reach. And, you know, I'm not at practice every day. All I see is every single game, probably for over the last 13 seasons. I've seen every game that they've played. A lot of them more than once because I do my research. I want to go back and watch it and make sure I'm not off base. And, you know, when Iowa's best player scores 41 and uh, she had 31 field goal attempts, she was 5 of 17 from three. But South Carolina, and, and she played uh, 38 and a half minutes. South Carolina's best player only played 25 minutes and was two for nine from the field because of the way the game was officiated. One, they took her off the floor with horrendous calls. Iowa played the sagging defense, and South Carolina was down one or two late with like 40-something seconds to go. Iowa took a, a... Bad three at the end of the shot clock. The ball banged off the backboard. It hit hard off the rims. If South Carolina gets it, they're probably out in transition to tie or take the lead, and Iowa got the rebound. That was a rebound on a on a a a missed three that was a brick. And, and, I mean, that's, that was just emblematic of the night. It just was not their night. I mean, Bree Beal was missing layups and not even hitting the rim, guys. Not even hitting the rim on layups. Beal's had better days. I, I, I noticed that. I mean, look, I, I'm, I appreciate everything she's done, but I think once South Carolina – 
beat UCLA, I think she knows she's getting ready to be a millionaire's wife. And if she gets drafted in the first round, okay. But maybe she was injured and they didn't say anything. I don't know. But I did not see the same player in the last two games that I saw shut down some of the premier players in the sport over the last three seasons. So who's a perimeter shooter, Keith? Who we got yeah. coming back next year? Who's going to be able to? You know, so I think I think Chloe Kitts and Breezy Hall right off the bat. Uh, but Malaysia Fullwiley is a five foot eight version of Steph Curry. I mean, she is Team Curry in AAU. She's an Under Armour AAU kid who's worked out with Steph Curry. And she can do everything. And Dawn Staley's never had a guard like her at South Carolina. I mean, she she was already draining threes. I mean, you can go to her Twitter feed and you can watch that two-minute uh, clip. She scored 11 points in two minutes in McDonald's All-America game. And she was, you know, it's nothing for her to – step back or pull up from 25 feet and drain it. And uh, Tessa Johnson was the uh, player of the year in Minnesota. She was also uh, a McDonald's All-American. She's a five foot ten player that can really shoot the ball uh, from three and the mid-range. And I think you'll see Raven Johnson, who got tired of Caitlin Clark disrespecting her, and decided, well, I'm just going to splash threes in your face since you waved me off and said you're not guarding me. And so she's a freshman. She's going to get better. Talasia Cooper is going to get better. Players get better in this program. But Breezy Hall and Chloe Kitts, I think, can really space the floor next year for uh, Camilla Cardoso, and Ashlyn Watkins, and I think Sanaya Fagan can play at the high post and take you off the dribble and shoot the mid-range. I think Ashlyn Watkins can shoot the mid-range all the way out to the three-point line. And so I'll say this. They're ranking South Carolina seventh in the way too early. I, I would say South Carolina – probably won't be preseason number one because they didn't win the national championship. And, you know, Gino's already mouthing off about how, you know, Caitlin Clark versus Paige Beckers will break the record for attendance or uh, for viewership. Iowa loses a lot of players. I don't know that they're able to get back. And quite frankly, UConn loses a lot of players too. And, they don't play anybody in conference. They play their toughest games in November and December and then one in February when they play South Carolina. But I think the rumors of South Carolina's demise are greatly exaggerated. This will be a team that will be a Final Four contender and will be a team that will be talented enough to win the national championship. And, oh, yeah, there's this thing called the transfer portal, and I don't know if you guys realize this, but they did a survey of all the players that made the regional round, 
the Sweet 16, all those teams. If you could pick one coach you'd want to play for, who would it be? 48 of them chose Dawn Staley, the next highest number for the next coach was eight. Mm. And there's this thing called the transfer portal. So, um, you know, South Carolina didn't make enough shots. Boston got in foul trouble. It wasn't their night. And it's unfortunate. Um, There were a lot of tears after that game. And uh, there were a lot of devastated fans there as well. Uh, but it, it just didn't work out. Keith, my, my this is my final, at least my final question for you today. Uh, Phil and JC might have one more. First of all, I want to commend you. I think this is one of the better segments I've, I've ever had with you. Um, but with that being said, I think we saw something this weekend that is a big deal. Uh, for women's basketball, I mean, you're a, you're a major advocate for women's basketball. I think right now the the product itself is the best that it's ever been. It, it's unfortunate that it came at the expense of a, a loss for our Gamecocks. At the same time, though, there's a lot of things that are happening. Number one, the blue bloods on the men's side are out of it. So you actually have had. I've enjoyed it. I loved watching the the final four the other day. I can't wait to watch the game tonight. But I'm just a I'm a fanatic for great sports and events. Um, you probably also have a lot of the country who, because you don't see blue bloods in there, they haven't really been engaged as much. And I know that there are a lot of people who've actually been a little bit more interested in the women's tournament because right now the women's tournament, it's got villains, it's got great players, it's got major personalities. Like there's a lot of stuff that's kind of coming together in the men. The men's game maybe has opened the door a little bit for this year, maybe for the first time in a long time to, to have the women's tournament talked about a little bit more. I'm not sure if the ratings will say that they probably won't, but a lot of the conversations we're going to have throughout the week, locally, nationally, wherever are having to do with the women's tournament. Angel Reese, Kim Mulkey, Don Staley, Aaliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark. How would you describe what this weekend, maybe what this tournament has meant to the present and future of women's basketball? Well, I think, one, it exposed an eyesore with the officiating. But I also think it, like you said, it had villains, right? Like Caitlin Clark, well, clearly she was the hero. Uh, That was the ESPN narrative. Angel Reese was a villain. Uh, South Carolina's team uh, was street fighters and thugs and monkeys and uh, et cetera. And I, I heard Don Staley's comments, and I know the three national writers that made those comments, and one of them now works for ESPN. Um, and so maybe South Carolina's a villain, and Don Staley's a villain. I don't know. Uh, but I can tell you this. I know people very close to that program, and there's not a finer group of representatives for the University of South Carolina on and off the court, in the classroom, in the community, in, in the churches, than this women's basketball 
program. Uh, they are from great families. They carry themselves with class. You've never seen one incident, uh, particularly since Mag Kiki left uh, for the WNBA and is now playing overseas. I mean, they're almost too nice. And, and I think, you know, that should not be lost because it is a, a, an African-American coach with a majority African-American team uh, in a sport that has been dominated by white coaches with, with a lot of uh, Caucasian players, particularly at UConn. Not, not all. And uh, I, look, I'm, I'm not trying to be woke because I'm anti-woke. Uh, JC knows this. We've had many conversations about this. But I do think there is that overtone that's present in the national media. And look, with social media, anybody who can get on Twitter or Instagram or on a message board, they have a platform now. But the national writers shouldn't be a part of that. And shame on them. And I hope uh, Dawn Staley tells their publications who they are and they get fired because there's no room for that in the 21st century. But to me, the difference is with the one and dones in the men's game, yep. you don't have the rivalries anymore. That's you don't it. have, you know, you don't have uh, like Paige Becker's uh, and, and Aaliyah Boston facing off every year. You, you don't have that. And I think that's a big part of it. I, I did watch the first game of the men's Final Four, which was decided on a buzzer beater, and I thought San Diego State and Florida Atlantic both proved that they belong. And that was a high-level basketball game with a shot that left the guy's hand with under half a second to go and went through the net after the buzzer sounded for the win. Uh, I knew UConn was going to boat race Miami. I did think UConn was a Final Four team. I, you know, I, I would expect they would win it tonight, but – I think the NBA needs to go back to what they were doing when Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant and uh, Jermaine O'Neal and, and LeBron James. LeBron. You need to either go straight to the NBA or you need to stay in school for three years, kind of like baseball for high school guys. To me, that's the solution. I doubt we'll ever see it because the NCAA and the NBA have completely different agendas. And I'm also of the belief, like Sonny Vaccaro, that I don't think the NCAA will make it uh, to the next decade. I, I expect by, what is this, uh, 2023, I would expect by 2030, you'll have the power five and then you'll have everybody else because of name, image, and likeness. And let's face it, the NCAA is a toothless, meaningless organization who cannot enforce any of their rules. 
Toothless, not spineless, but toothless. Hadn't heard and spineless. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so when, when you finish, uh, I do have something to say about uh, your your baseball rules uh, conversation yes. with Whittle. But mm-hmm. I mean, feel feel free to no. Go ahead. So no, that's good. Yeah, your take on that. Yeah, because you, yeah, you, you. That's a. So number one, if a, if if an umpire bumps me, he's getting tossed. Okay. Now I have a unique perspective because I've been on both sides. I was a coach for fourteen years. I got my share of technicals and in, in basketball, but I coach football and baseball as well. And I've usually been pretty good because I'll just say. You know, coach, if I miss if I miss that call, I'm sorry. I I did the best I could do, and in my judgment, that's what I saw. And we can just agree to disagree, but I'm finished talking about it, and I turn off, turn around, and walk off. You know, if I miss a, a ball or a strike call, sometimes in between innings, when the coach walks by or the catcher gets ready to go, I'll just say, "Hey." Man, I'm sorry. Tell your coach I just kicked that one. Your guy crossed me out. I mean, it happens, right? And guys do lean into pitches. And now guys wear this elbow body armor. And sometimes the end of it sticks out beyond their elbow. And they want to go to first base if that gets ticked, even though it's over home plate almost, like out of the batter's box. No. You're not going to first base on that. And if you lean into a pitch, you're not going to first base. Now, when it's 95 miles an hour and a guy's trying to get out of the way and he leans forward, number one, I have the common sense to know, well, he was really trying to not get hit in the face or get a broken arm. But if I don't know and I'm an SEC official, I can go to the replay. I can ask to see it or I can go like that and I can say, hey, was the guy trying to get out of the way or was he leaning in to try to get on base? Okay, because when you do lean in, it is a strike call. If your elbow body armor gets hit and it's over the plate, Or if you swing at a pitch and it hits you in the hands or the forearms, it's a strike. It's a dead ball, but it's a strike. And guys do try to do that. Now, the other side of the rule is as long as that guy's standing still in the batter's box and he gets hit, he does not have to try to get out of the way of a pitch. If he wants to wear it, he can wear it. Um, But in the college game, to me – I agree with Whittle. That should be a Birmingham conversation with the uh, umpire in chief or the plate umpire and the base umpires because they have four guys. Okay. And so I want to know what all my guys saw if I'm the home plate umpire. And if I don't know, I'm wanting to have a conversation with Birmingham who can slow it down and who's got multiple angles to say, was that guy leaning in to get on, or was he just trying to get out of the way? And so there should be a common sense 
rule. But, Jamie, it's just like a runner's on first, and maybe it's a hit and run or the batter's trying to protect the runner, and he swings the bat. But in doing so, he carries himself out of the batter's box in front of the catcher. Okay, you're immediately pointing at the batter. You're letting the guy throw the ball down to second. If he gets him, he's out. If he's safe, then I've got batter interference. The batter is out, and the runner is going back to first base. Mm -hmm. Okay, you cannot interfere. And hitters and guys try to be crafty and want to get on base. But when a guy's protecting himself, you have to have the common sense. I mean, look, if a guy ducks and tries to get out of the way and the the ball hits his bat and it goes foul, unfortunately, you can't do anything about that. That is a strike. But, you know, I did not see the play in question because I was in Dallas. Um, But I will say that in umpiring, you have to have common sense. You have to have good judgment. And if you don't know, you have to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, and we're out of time, Keith, but there's, there's a lot that they need to get figured out with a lot of, it's not just South Carolina. It's happening all over the places we all well know. And, um, but I do know this Carolina's number six in the country, regardless of the blind, the, the blind folks in Birmingham. <laughs> they were, Oh yeah. 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 95 at the head. He, he was trying to get hit. No, he yeah. Wasn't. yeah I, don't, I mean, come on, man. You know, you gotta, I don't man, understand that. But then again, understand. it's kind of like major league baseball um, replay, right? Like those guys get rated just like those sec guys get rated. And it's usually one of their buddies who's an umpire who's sitting in there. And, you know, football too. I mean, that backwards pass at Clemson that Sherrod Green scooped up, that still just eats at me. I mean, that's just – I mean, replay right now needs to be overhauled and fixed in every sport in my opinion. And I also think this, and then I'm going to get off here because I know I'm past my time. I think uh, college coaches should have a challenge. Yep. Uh, like, I agree. Like in the NBA on a, on a foul call yep. or on a ball that goes out of bounds. I know they, they inside the last two minutes, they do that. But, you know, I've, I, I agree. I've said that for a while, Keith. If there would have been one of those late in that South Carolina-Iowa game, Camilla Cardoso, the principal of verticality, she went straight up. The Iowa player jumped into her, initiated the contact, and then she blocked the shot without ever uh, leaving verticality. And they put that Iowa player on the free throw line, and it would have been South Carolina's ball. Yeah. That, that would have been a coach's challenge. I totally agree. Whether the call was made or not made, that you can challenge it. Like the 2019 Florida game when the guy stood up before it, they held Izzy McQuamley the whole way down. That yeah. Got exactly right. out there and said, hey, look, I've got a, I got, I got false start over here. And they look at it, play never happens. So, Keith, we'll let you run on that note, man. Thanks for all the time. Good stuff. Thanks, Keith. Yeah. Great, great show today. Great stuff by John Whittle.
I had him on on Thursday on his way to Starkville, the dean of Gamecock baseball coverage. Nobody does it better. No doubt. No doubt about that. Appreciate it. Tough tough act to follow, John Whittle. That's for sure. Dean John. Dean John. All right, Keith. See you, man. (laughs) Thanks, guys. There you go. 1240, we will hit a timeout. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston right here on Inside the Gamecocks, this show. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell, Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Freshman All-American, Nicky Memorial of the Carolina Gamecocks, and you are listening to the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with them to talk about how they can bring a bit more sunshine into your life this summer. A um, couple, a couple of things here. I, I, I've got a, um, I've got a, a football question I want to get to for JC, but um, I, I want to plug in a couple of notes in 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 baseball from the weekend as well first of all hats off to dylan brewer for for kind of getting it going we'll see what comes of that michael braswell of course you know played a bunch this weekend so um with the guys they've got banged up horning and mcgillis it's it's good to see both brewer and braswell kind of there he goes another new name kind of thrown into the mix here uh, somebody steps up at 
when they need them and gets a couple of big knocks. And, um, and it, so that was good to see. Uh, Braylon Wimmer hit the first pitch of the game out of the yard consecutive days this weekend. That is so rare. Uh, so, you know, wow. Um, Braylon Wimmer may be settling into that leadoff role a little bit. Uh, it looked like he was a little uncomfortable there at first, but uh, maybe kind of settling in. So we'll kind of see how that unfolds. And um, and uh, Ethan Petrie just – I don't even know what else you can say about this kid. Uh, we keep waiting on him to fall into his freshman slump. At some point in time, he will. I'm going to continue to say that till he doesn't, but good God. I mean, he can adjust like you just haven't seen at this, uh, at this stage in his career. So it is really neat to see. And I agree with Keith guys. I've said this. You'll probably heard me say it. Um, I, I have, I have no idea why in football, basketball, and baseball, if you can challenge the call, you can challenge certain things. Why can you not? challenge more than that why in basketball can you not challenge a foul call because it's a judgment call okay um there's a lot of judgment calls out there holding i mean should be able to be challenged in in football if it's uh, if it's unclear it's unclear it stands but it might be clear as day um same thing in baseball like i would say that you probably shouldn't be allowed to challenge balls and strikes because that's just you're talking about inches here, but I mean, I mean, why on earth you can't challenge some other things? I, I, I don't know. I just I don't understand it. But. Nah, it's weird. So it probably has to do with pace of the game, slowing the game down. You, well, that's ridiculous. That I thought the whole point that, of this was yeah. getting it right. Who cares about yeah. the pace of the game? Got to get it right, right? No. Yeah, well. Unfortunately, that matters these days. Excuse me. The syndicate says it's because, you know, they, they enjoy the subjectivity of being able to have the power to influence the outcome of a game. Yeah, and, see, and don't want that stripped from them. <laughs> I think if you're a ref and that ever comes up, you need to be fired because you should never mm-hmm. want. I, if I were a referee, I would never want the, the game to come down to something I did, you know. Um, and some 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 officials are like that. You know, they'll they'll let some things go. They'll let a pat they'll let a marginal pass interference call go at the end of a game, or they'll let a God forbid offensive pass interference in two thousand Clemson game comes to mind. Uh, they'll just let that go, even if they've been calling it all day because it, it, they don't want to have a penalty decide the outcome of the game. But um, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Back to Don Staley's comments. I didn't want to mention this. I, I think that Xavier in the chat box says, um, and look, Dawn needs to own it. I don't necessarily agree with Keith that, that Dawn didn't get out coached because, uh, and, and I didn't, I didn't, I should have brought it up during the segment, but uh, if the other coach, the Iowa coach had a great game plan, then obviously in South Carolina, you know, was, did not execute their game plan. Obviously, you'd have to give her the coaching advantage. I think that you get the schematics when you're talking about out-coached or not. I thought the coaching was in favor of Iowa uh, on Saturday. Um, and people, are, people are wanting Dawn to just own the loss, and, and I get that. But but I also think, look, you know, you dice, you got to dice up what she says. And so many times nowadays, people just take a bunch of words and throw them into one bucket, like the bucket of prejudice or racism or whatever. And I think there's a different, is a different 
level of, of inappropriate comments. Like Xavier said, if uh, like playing them is like getting into a bar fight, you know, I, I think I, I think that's complimentary. To be honest, uh, it speaks to the tough to the toughness of their team. Uh, but calling them thugs and monkeys, that obviously is a different level. You know, you could make an honest mistake uh, or, 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 or choose an unfortunate phrase and say they're just like getting in a bar fight and it'd be like a daggum compliment, you know? Yeah, and that that's where I think, people, I think people get a little too sensitive about that. So that, that's where that was come from. It comes from Dawn doesn't need to talk about the other bar fighters. I mean, and include that with, with phrases like monkey and thug, because those two things mean something totally different. Uh, and I think that's a big problem nowadays is we, we don't want a compartment. We, we want to go all one way or all the other on all this crap. And all it takes is a little intelligence and, and deciphering on the part of whoever to understand that, you know, one is not like the other. And I understand the heat of the moment. You don't really all think about that. But, you know, so so here's where I'm at on it. Uh I think if somebody said that about South Carolina women's basketball, thugs, monkeys, that, then you'd be fired immediately and vanished because people have been canceled for far less. And I want to also point out that, hey, guess what? Not a damn one of these people lives in the South. Okay, just so just in case next time you hear somebody from up north talking about how everybody down south is a bunch of racists, you know, who's, who, who, who are saying those things in the national women's basketball media? They're all based in Connecticut or wherever. Well, okay. I mean, who who said it? That, that, that's actually, what I'd like to know. I mean, I, I just I one, can't like I'm not. It's just, not, I, it's not I, David Kloniger. It, it's not uh, Colin Taylor. It's not Ryan Bethay who covers it for us. Uh, it, it's not. It, it's not uh, Emily. Adams. It's not. It's not our beat writers. It's not the people that cover this program on a daily basis. From what Don said, it's the national people in the sport. Well, but I so mean, if like, that is. Yeah, to your point, like I'm not just I, I agree with you. I'm just saying like I and I'm not trying to step on your toes here, JC. I I can't I hate these conversations cuz I can't have them unless I know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. Like this was just I'm not saying Don's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm, yeah, what I'm saying I, is I, I'd like who to know who said it. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, somebody show me. I mean, so like I, I said, we, we we cancel people for less these days, and that's actually something that uh you know, that needs to be called out if you're using that type of language and you're supposed to be a professional sports journalist or even if you're not a professional, even if you're not, even if you're like a flaming UConn fan or or, or, or Iowa fan or Caitlin Clark fan and you just don't like the style of play, that, there's, no, there's no reason for any kind of language like that. But like I said, there's also a difference between using some hyperbole that you have to twist yourself in knots to, to – to, to, make it like a, a, a slight on your team or a racism or whatever, uh, and then straight out calling somebody thugs and monkeys. There's a difference there. Uh, and I think everybody needs to kind of use some intelligence about this entire thing and say, okay, and just like 76 and you, Jamie, and everybody else, you know, if if this happened, and I have no, I don't think Donald Staley's lying, I think at the very least maybe if it came out that it didn't happen, somebody's lying to Dawn, which is fine. That happens too. These days, the, check the Duke uh, volleyball, uh, the Duke volleyball BYU situation. Okay, <laughs> people get mistaken about things. Okay, uh, so if that's the case, then those people need to be called out about the thug and monkey thing. The person that said it's like getting into a bar fight, you don't cancel them. 
that that's that's just sports hyperbole that maybe you took the wrong way. Screw it. That's yeah. a compliment for my team. Brutal. Yeah, you get in a box, you get in a bar fight. That's the tough means you're tough. Yeah, uh, but the bar thug fight, and monkey thing. Street fighters. I'm, I'm all th- in. There's on that. no excuse in 2023 to say thug and monkey. None, none for anybody, anybody, any team. So uh, th- th- and that, that that was unfortunate. So I, I get it, but um, I do think that. When, when people bring stuff like this to the table and, 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 and want to bring it out in the open and, and, and criticize it and stuff, it's much better to kind of be specific than general. Because when you go general, then everybody's like, oh, you know, they, they just it's like these people that want to say everybody in the country is racist or whatever. You know, that, that's unfortunate. It's wrong. It should never happen. It, it's as wrong as saying thug and monkey, in my opinion, because it's based on a, a falsehood, a stereotype. Uh, whatever you want to have it. Everybody needs to live, live their own truth, but you are not allowed to live your own truth. Uh, if your own truth is based on lies <laughs> that everybody that, that, that are not, you know, that, that are lies, you know, we, we don't ever need to get into a society, uh, become a society where everybody's individual truth is all that matters. Even though there may, somebody's truth may be based on made up BS facts matter. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Final timeout. When we return, Carolina and Florida State could be swapping defensive ends. Who's better? We'll ask JC right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Daddy, I want you to take me to Disney World. Calm down, calm down. JC is here. As y'all know, folks, the family and I have visited Disney World many times, but it can be overwhelming, especially if it's your first time going to the most magical place on earth. I highly recommend wherethisroadleads.com and my friend Cherie, a certified Disney vacation planner. That's right. The mouse has given her permission to book your family vacation hassle-free. You don't know where to go, don't know where to stay, don't know where to eat, don't know what to do. So get on wherethisroadleads.com and schedule your free consultation right now. She can help you out. Prices are very reasonable. You don't pay any extra fees. Uh, In fact, she's much more reasonable maybe than booking it straight through Disney. So for your next Disney vacation or, you know, more likely your first so you don't panic, go to wherethisroadleads.com and talk to Cherie, certified Disney vacation planner, a partner of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Cox! Welcome back, everybody. Final segment of Inside the Gamecocks, the show, on this Monday now afternoon. And let's see here. We've got some football questions for JC. Well, let's ask mine first. If if South Carolina, if it works it out for Derek McClendon, JC, who's going to be visiting tomorrow, transfer defensive end, 6'4", 250 from Florida State. South Carolina has already lost Gilbert Edmond to the Knowles. You basically would be swapping ends here in your mind. Who's better? Uh, okay, so who's, who's D-line coach at FSU? John Papushis, really good D-line coach, really good. Um, you hear Brad Lawing talk about him sometimes. He, he thinks he's a really good coach. Depends on how much he gets out of Gilbert. I think right now, on its face, they're both the same. I think Gilbert being two and a half inches taller and a little longer as far as what you look for, how you draw, quote-unquote, draw him up as a pass rusher, uh, you'd probably go Gilbert, but McClendon is, is a little more of a finished product. And, and really, we don't know how much more productive McClendon would have been numbers-wise had, uh, you know, he played more. Because Florida State was pretty loaded on the D-line last year. And they, they, they uh, talking to some folks down there, they, they feel great about the group they have coming back. Um, so I would – I would probably say Derek McClendon's probably been better than Gilbert for most years, even though their production's the same. Uh, but Gilbert probably could take that next step at FSU. And then, you know, Derek's probably closer to his ceiling. Now, all that said, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's – I mean, it would be great if South Carolina could find a, a big-time edge rusher uh, proven guy in the portal. They had a guy like that. and. We all know what happened with the Jeff Coat situation. Um, Is this kid need, better? How does he compare to Trajan Jeff Coat? He's probably not as good as Jeff Coat, um, but but not too far behind is what I'm saying. I mean, Carolina needs depth, and they need the guys on campus like Terrell Dawkins. Terrell Dawkins continues to be for me. Whenever I think about this spring practice and what needs to happen this offseason with Carolina, he continues to be what I call a linchpin. Because if you get him up to speed, and he's the guy that you thought he was when you got him from NC State, uh, where as a freshman he was really productive, and he can come out and give you a solid year and start at one of those spots opposite Jordan Strong, then all of a sudden you're not counting on Desmond Umiazulu to start. He's a situational pass rusher or a reserve. You know, you're not really counting on McClendon to come in and start. He's a backup. You're not counting on Tyreek Johnson to magically all of a sudden – and I do think Tyreek will save his best for last and have his best year, but you're not counting on all that. Um, you don't have Dawkins. All of a sudden, that other side is a mystery, and you don't know who I mean. So maybe it's McClendon, so you count on a new guy coming in. You just don't know. I, I think that, you know, Dawkins to me is absent a no-brainer type like Jeff Coat hitting the portal again. Uh, you know, a guy that's that's had you know all SEC honors or whatever at end. Absent a guy like that, to me, any piece you get, you know, it's not really about comparing McClendon to Edmund or upgrading or anything like that. Because Edmund was a starter, it's about building depth and getting the guys on campus uh, more, you know, more able to do the roles that they have. In other words, like like Clint just mentions in the chat box, Tyreek Johnson can't stay healthy. Well. 
you, you probably don't want to count on him as being your every down defensive end, right? You want him to be in a role that he's comfortable with. And then all of a sudden you start looking at it and you have depth, you know, and that's what that, that that's what they're going to have to have this year, folks, is, is depth. And then they're going to have to go probably hit the portal again for some edge players next cycle while they get uh, what should be a pretty talented group in the 2024 class coached up. So that, there, there we go with defensive. My, my, my Derek McClendon uh, eval there. His, his best career game, by the way, against the Clemson Tigers. Eight tackles, <laughs> one sack. Well, how convenient. <laughs> awesome. I think he's from Atlanta, too, so he's another Atlanta kid. So Lilburn, I think, is where he's from. Uh, older guy, he would have – he's got uh, two years left. Technically, because yeah. he redshirted his first year. 2020 was a free year, so he's got two years to go. So Ryan says, besides edge and running back in the portal, I don't think they turned down a really good D tackle or a wide receiver at this point, but they're pretty much done. I mean, you know, running back at the edge with two guys. Maybe a linebacker if they found a really stud linebacker. But by the way, Colorado has taken 25 players in the portal. <laughs> Man, 25. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. <laughs> That's crazy. Who wins tonight? I think y'all are both going to go with UConn. Am I right? Nope. <laughs> I'm with you, Phil. I think I'm San going Diego San Diego State. State. Yep. I, that I is a, this is a solid basketball team. They I mean, are. And they, <laughs> it's been fun to watch them. I hate I didn't I'm take going, on my bracket. I'm riding the Wimp Sanderson train and saying UConn. UConn. Well, <laughs> to, to your Not point, <laughs> no. And they, they've they've beaten every all five wins in the tournament are by an average of like twenty something points per game. So I mean they they're steamrolling their way to the title. It'll be one of the more impressive title runs we've actually seen in recent memory if you go by the numbers, uh, if they can pull it off. But this would be the most shocking title run we've seen, and I don't even know how long. We have to do a lot of research on that. We'll figure <laughs> it out. All right, this is Villanova in eighty five, eighty six. Remember, Nova yep. wanted as a eight, nine seed, something like that. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Well, good stuff. Thanks to John Whittle, Keith Allsep, and always thanks to the boss around here, Phil, for doing what he does. And, uh, of course, thanks to J.C. Schubert uh, for doing what he does as well. Happy to see all of you again. It is Masters Week, and we will have a lot of coverage on golf this week. A little bit of a change of pace, but don't worry. Plenty on the Gamecocks with what's going on in baseball and so on and so forth. So tell a friend and make sure you pop in tomorrow at 11. As always, we look forward to seeing you then right here from the Sinorama Studios on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. <laughs>